Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. I want to get right to today's topic, which is, I call it the hidden path to peace. Because y'all may know, if you came here a few weeks ago, that I was talking about chronic pain and how it is now known, it has been discovered, that chronic pain exists because the fear part of the brain takes over um, from like you hurt your foot, your brain decides that your foot hurts, then your foot gets better, but your brain decides it's afraid of your foot hurting. And the result is that it never actually feels like your foot gets better. It literally feels like your foot is broken exactly the way it was broken, even then, though there's no tissue damage. So I've had chronic pain forever. So I was all excited about this. And I started reading about fear and how it affects the brain. Now, some of you have come in regularly. Some of my most wonderful gathering room peeps have asked repeatedly, but I can't stop being anxious. I, st- I can't stop being anxious. And I say things to you. Yammer, 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 yammer. So there are all these ways you can find your integrity. You can do thought work. You can do cognitive behavioral therapy. You can question your your beliefs. Oh, my microphone's way over there. Now it's good. Um, you can um, do all these things that are very cerebral, right? To calm yourself down. Uh, phys- psychological suffering comes from believing something that isn't true. So tell yourself the truth and you'll get better. Now I have found this by and large to be very effective, but there have been times in the last few months, especially when I wake up feeling anxious or angry, weirder still, and there's nothing, there's no cause. I just wake up in a, in a mood. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys, but I was trying, and I was meditating and it really wasn't, it wasn't fixing it the way I, it used to. And I think that all this stuff on fear was probably an answer to uh, my cries to the universe. Like, what the hell is happening? Because I have learned some things about fear in the last couple of weeks that have changed my whole life. And I think it could change yours too. And here's why. The way we talk about fear goes into our psyches through the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that is verbal and that thinks things through and that understands things in language. And that goes into the left hemisphere and then it, go, it gets taken to the amygdala, which becomes afraid. It triggers the fight or flight reaction, right? The amygdala is this very, very ancient, very tiny piece of the brain, um, but a very important one. And it houses the so-called fight or flight reaction, fight, flight, freeze. And it's so ancient that even like flatworms have it. (laughs) Well, they don't have an amygdala, but like even fish and reptiles have this amygdala, this part of the brain. And it's not verbal. It reacts to sight, sound, smells, and intuition or whatever little um, ways of sensing the universe are possible out there in the animal world. So here's what happens to us when we're afraid. We can either have ideas that make us process a situation as frightening and then trigger the amygdala, or there's another way something goes directly to the amygdala without going into the cortex at all. So the fear comes in, the anger comes in, the freeze comes in, and you don't 
know why. And you go to your therapist and you talk about your life and what happens is you look for reasons that you're feeling anxious or angry or frozen or whatever it is. Because there's got to be something to explain it, right? Well, maybe I'm angry because, you know, maybe I'm angry at my partner. Maybe I'm angry at my job. Maybe, you know, there are all kinds of things I could be angry about. The damn other, you know, political party. I'm upset about them. Maybe. But here's a good example of how this fear can come at you in a way that you don't even realize. Um, there's a story in one of the books I read, which is called Unwire or Rewire Your Anxious Brain. It's a good one. Um, and in that story, the authors tell about a Vietnam veteran who came back from the war, had terrible post-traumatic stress disorder, but he went to therapy, he got treatment, things got better. He was okay. Then decades later, he starts having panic attacks every damn morning, like regular as clockwork. And he was like, blah, 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 blah. what is this? So he went to a therapist and because this was a therapist who did his homework, they eventually figured out that the, the man's wife had started buying a brand of soap that smelled like the soap he had used in Vietnam in the military showers. He was not aware that it was the smell of the soap that was triggering his PTSD. It went straight from his senses to the amygdala and it didn't go through the cortex. So it wasn't something he could cognitively know. And this is why I call this the hidden path to peace. Because you can be afraid of things and not know why. Because they're in the amygdala but not in the cortex. And the secret way is you have to get at what's bothering the animal self, the amygdala, when the cortex, when your mind, what we call the mind, does not even know it, okay? And you can have somebody talk at you or you can read self-help books till you are blue in the face. They're all going in through the cortex, folks, because that is, um, language is all cortex. So how do you fix something that is disturbing you at the level of the amygdala? This became my quest over the last couple of weeks, and my God, it is working. I mean, let me just tell you right now, before I tell you the big secret of what to do, it's very simple, but I've been using it. And I always wake up multiple times a night. I had like a terrible sleep disorder when I was younger, I had to take medication. I still have to take medication. Stuff, this weird old pill they usually only give to animals is the only thing that will turn off my amygdala enough to let me sleep, okay? So I, but even so, I wake up multiple times a night, always. And I'm almost always in pain when I wake up, a little bit. And I have to like move and squish and I get out of bed and I stretch. And sometimes I take Tylenol. And more often than I want to, I take a Tylenol and that helps me get back to sleep. Well, since I started deactivating the fear in my amygdala, uh, bringing down this secret part of the secret path to my stress, I have gone, I mean, knock on wood, but I have gone the last three nights, I've only woken up once and I've gone immediately back to sleep without any medication. This, you guys, for me is like, I never even talk about it because just it's just so much a big a part of my life. That's, I have a massive sleep disorder and it always affects me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> doesn't affect me as much during the day. But as I've 
as I've untriggered my amygdala, my waking life has become much calmer as well. Like nothing bothers me as much. And this is after like a week. <laughs> and I am not a young woman. I've been working at this a long time. So what is it? What can you do that causes your amygdala fears to go away? Well, there are two things. One is you can re-experience a similar situation and have it end differently. So for me, public speaking was a big fear. That's the top phobia among humans. And what happened to me was I had a crush on a guy who was on the debate team in high school. So I started going to speech speaking competitions and being stuck in rooms where I was supposed to give impromptu speeches. And the first time I was so anxious, I simply fainted dead away. And that was really bad, but I thought, well, that's the worst that can happen. So I just kept going into these rooms and speaking because I wanted maybe I'd get to sit by this guy on the bus. Um, and that's called flooding, where you bring the actual situation and you just stay there until the anxiety goes away. When I went on TV at first, I would shake and my mouth would get so dry that people like in other counties would call to tell me that I was way too nervous. So I actually went and got a beta blocker. You know, I am not averse to psychiatric medication. Beta blockers just bring down the shakiness and the dry mouth. Uh, and my psychiatrist said she used them for golf. So I took those for a few times and then I started to associate the TV camera with that feeling of being like, go, that I got from the pills. Then I no longer needed the pills and I was fine with cameras. That's another flooding. That's the way you can flood, okay? Or you can sort of sneak up on what scares you. If you're scared of spiders, you look at a picture of a spider, then you go to the pet store and you look at a tarantula and you stay until the anxiety goes away. That's the key. The sad thing is you have to trigger the anxiety in order to change it because you have to trigger it and stay put. This is how I got over a fear of conflict with my loved ones too. Like go to that space and stay put until the anxiety goes away. All right, that's one way, but that's not what I've been using. <laughs> the way I've been using, and I've read a half a dozen books on this now and a bunch of studies. And it's like, now they get to the fix and it's always the same damn thing that I've known my whole life. Observing the brain at work without reacting to it in any way. So what I do, I wake up at night, I think of something like, oh, I've got that thing to do. I've got, you know, I've got a deadline tomorrow. And immediately I start to watch and my, I get flushed with heat. I can taste adrenaline in my mouth. My heartbeat starts, I can feel my heart beating faster. And what I do is I just resolutely sit in my observer brain. And here's the thing, you can't do this to make it go away. If you're make, doing it to make it go away, it will make it worse. <laughs> so what you do is you describe in your brain, you use your brain to describe what's happening to it without any judgment and without trying to make it go away. So I'm just lying there going, heart's beating faster. Okay, yeah, flush of heat, here it comes. All right, oh, now I'm panicking. I'm imagining, oh, imagining negative scenario. All right, got that, that's par for the course. That tracks, all right, okay. Or if I wake up with pain, I'm like, okay, what is the exact shape of the pain? What is the, oh, it's spiky, but with a knob on one end. Okay, what temperature is it? What, can I feel it move? And this is the thing, you watch it until it starts to change. 
And as you watch it and it changes, you say to your little amygdala self, look, it changes. We're not stuck with this. So either way, by exposing yourself to the stimulus and staying put until it changes, or by simply observing your anxiety until you can observe the change, either way starts to disarm the mechanism. Now I've got done tons of meditation, so I, I maybe I had a bit of a head start, but I've never used it this way. And I, the, the results are incredible. And nobody ever told me, you know, like there is fear that you have, there is anger that you have that never went through your cortex. You cannot know about it with your mind, but it's in your animal self and you gotta deal with it. So I've been doing that and you guys, it's like a revolution in my life. I hope it works as well for you as it does for me. It's incredible. So uh, you can look it up online and everything and, and find out new things. Now I'm going to go over and we'll do some questions as we are used to doing. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. All right. So Pamela says, what if you don't know what you're afraid of? It doesn't matter. You just know that you feel the sensation of fear. Yeah. So all you do is like, if you were, if you were sitting here and you were afraid and you didn't know why, I'd say, that's fine. Where is the fear in your body? Okay. Well, oh, I feel it in my throat. I feel it in my shoulders. Everything's fluttery in my tummy. Okay. Keep describing it. Keep describing it. All right. And what happens is if you keep describing it, you have moved some of the activity in your brain into a part that is actually not, it's not in either hemisphere, it's at the back, but it's working through the cortex, it's working with the whole brain and it's bringing the brain um, into sort of the embrace of the compassionate witness, which is why therapy works. One compassionate witness can just do worlds for you. So just this observation of the, the fear that I didn't, couldn't explain has made it go away. Hi, Dr. Donna. I'm so glad that you piped up. You say, how do you stay with the observer mind instead of trying to fix it when you're in a situation when you are around others? I don't. <laughs> when I'm around others, I freak out. No, the thing, the beauty of this is you will slip out of the observer stage, state over and over. And all you have to do is go, oh, I slipped out of the observer state. Interesting. That pattern's interesting. I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. Okay, there it is. And now I'm losing attention. No, describe the shape of my anxiety. Describe its color and temperature. Describe, describe, describe. I've always known that adjectives had a weird power in life coaching. <laughs> because if you're in my, if you, if you're one of my coaches, you know, we use tons of adjectives as a way to find our way through a patient's or a client's, um, sort of psyche and life. Describing is a part of our cognition 
that is uniquely able to cause our brains to calm down. So yeah, you don't, if, if you don't remember to do it all the time, no problem. If you can't do it around other people at first, no problem. Do it when you're by yourself. You'll have plenty of opportunities. And when you get so good at it by yourself that then other people come in the room and you get triggered, you can go, oh, and start watching there. And then you can bring it down in social situations as well. So this is really, like it's, this is, it's really, really powerful for me. So Lydia says, hi, Martha. Does this work for PTSD? Sometimes when I'm triggered, it feels too much to observe. Yes, it does work for PTSD. And again, you don't have to make it all work at one time. Sometimes you just can't hold on to the observational stance. Sometimes you need another person there with you. Like PTSD, you do need another human as a compassionate witness to clear out of PTSD. But if you're home from your therapy session and you get triggered again and you can't reach your therapist, Going into an observing stance, especially if you practice it every day, the brain gets wired to do that. And please know that when you're with your therapist or your compassionate witness, your trauma counselor, the greatest benefit you're getting is that they, their observation of you, their, their kind, compassionate observation of you introjects. So it becomes part of your way of seeing yourself because it's the way they see you. So you're watching them watch you. And they're watching you with compassion. And so you begin to partly, to, they, to bring that into your own psychology. So you're developing a compassionate witness introject, which you can then use to watch your brain later on. And if you love your therapist, you can just bring your therapist's voice and words in, and you can use that as part of the observational strategy to calm down the amygdala. So yeah. Uh, Donna says, what if the amygdala fear is accompanied by a frontal cortex fear? Well, the frontal cortex, this is, this is what happens often. So I've triggered my amygdala and I wake up feeling anxious because there's something in the light that reminds me of a time in my life when I was traumatized. It, this happens to be in the fall a lot. And it's because of the quality of the light. It's very weird. Anyway, so then I say, oh, okay. What I'm worried about is that I've got so much to do, so much to do. That was one of the ways I tried to get out of my anxiety was working, 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 working. Yeah. Then my cortex says to my amygdala, oh my God, we've got so much to do. Be afraid. Be very afraid. And the amygdala goes, holy crap, we've got so much to do and sends it back to the cortex and it becomes this feedback loop, right? So you need to like, that's why all this stuff with the, the cognitive behavioral therapy, with the Byron Katie work, with a lot of the work that I've published, that can really help you grab the fears that are in your cortex and go, really? Do you really have that much to do? I mean, I was thinking that earlier today because I have a deadline tomorrow. And Rose said to me, well, what's your schedule like tomorrow? And I was like, but it's due tomorrow. And she said, end of day. And it turns out I have plenty of time to do it tomorrow. So my cortex says, you can reason with the cortex, right? But then it needs to say to the amygdala, are you still scared? Yes, I'm still scared because I believe that missing a deadline um, means that I will be put to death in the snow. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna watch that till it goes away. It's so irrational and it's so deep. You can talk to it forever. And it's like, nope, I'm gonna die in the snow. I know it. 
And you can talk to it and you just sound to it like Charlie Brown's teacher. It doesn't care. So yeah, we've got a lot of strategies for the cortical fear. But Donna, you've asked over and over, but I can't, it, I'm still anxious. I think it's your your secret fears. Not secret from anyone else, but secret from your own mind because it got to your amygdala directly. And it's being triggered by, you know, it can be triggered by somebody giving you a funny look or by a car passing. Like, you just don't know. So watch it and love it while you deal with the neocortex cognitively. All right. Amanda says, can anyone be a compassionate witness? Anyone can be, but not everyone is. And that's because a lot of people are in their own crap. Or maybe they're just complete psychopaths in the dark triad of psychiatric diagnoses. You don't want to be confiding in someone who doesn't feel safe. This is when the amygdala does a brilliant job because it is far better than your cortex at figuring out who's safe and who isn't. Because that people can say all the right words and to the cortex, to the amygdala, it's wah, 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 wah. So somebody just dazzles you and convince you that they're perfect. And your amygdala goes, uh, don't, don't trust. No, 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 don't go there. You should listen to that. If you feel that way about someone, don't open up to them. Never open up to people more than you feel safe opening up. Push the edge when you want to. When someone is a safe, compassionate witness, the interesting thing is that the, the buried trauma wants to be seen and validated. And that's something that happened to me. My anger and my fear went away when I watched them, but my sadness did not go away right away. It needed to be validated. It needed me to hold it for a few days. It needed me to bring it to my loved ones and let them hold me. Um, because the sadness was not a dysfunctional creation of my amygdala. It was some, it was a normal reaction to some things that happened to me, but it, the hypersensitivity and the waking up all the time, that was amygdala fear. And, and so when I cleared it away, this, these bubbles of sadness from, from little traumas, well, some fairly large traumas in my past bubbled up. And I was able to connect with or cl help clear those up by loving and being loved. And when you're with a safe person, what, that material that want that is hurting wants to come out. So once you calm down your fear, it does. So that's the time when you know, that's when, when you've got a compassionate witness is the time when the fear and the, the fight flight needs to go away and you let yourself grieve in the presence of someone honest and good. So Stephen says, when you say stay with it until it changes, what keeps you from re-traumatizing yourself? Well, that's a very good point. I would not say go out, if you have a fear of cars, go out and stand in the street. And if a car, you know, even if you get hit, just stay there until the fear goes away. You have to be rational and cognitive about setting up the situation. If you're gonna go through um, systematic desensitization, you or, or graduated ex, uh, exposure is another term for it. Obviously, you're careful. And like I remember, I worked once with a woman who was terrified to drive. And um, I said, okay, what if you just go sit in the car? Well, that was way too much for her. 
her amygdala went crazy. I didn't know that's what was happening, but I knew she was not okay. So I said, okay, we're going to start with imagining being in the car. Can you handle that? And she was like, maybe for a few minutes. And I was like, okay, we're going to do that. And we got to the point where she could imagine it and the fear would come up. And then sure enough, after about 10 minutes, it would get bored and go away. Then she got to the point where she could like look at driving simulators on her computer, huge anxiety, just sit there, nothing would happen. It gradually goes away. So you don't want to force anyone into this and you want to be gentle and, and careful. Um, but you will know what will re-traumatize you and everything in you will say, no, don't do that. But if you just get to the point where it's acceptable and then sit with it, hmm, yes, desensitization. But I didn't even use desensitization in the last week. I just used ob observation and it's been working like dynamite. Okay, finally, Wandering Liz, Wandering Liz says, I have insomnia. And when I can't sleep, I get awful anxiety about work the next day. Oh, I've been there. How to stay an observer when my mind is screaming that I need to get to sleep. Oh my God. Oh, I have spent so many nights doing that. It is horrible. First of all, go to a psychiatrist and tell them about it. Like nobody should have a sleep disorder. It is one of the worst things I can possibly imagine. And there are different medications and therapies. And I would not be talking to you if I didn't have medication for sleep because that was what, that nearly killed me for sure. But I'm needing less and less of that because in addition to all the measures I could take, learning to meditate and learning to question my thoughts has become something I can do when the time is ticking away that is not just becoming more afraid of the next day. And you know what the thing is that I fear most, my biggest fear right now in my life? Fatigue. I'm terrified of being tired because I was so tired for so long. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, read the book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker and you will see that you should be afraid not to sleep because not sleeping is like, worse for you than like going on every major addictive drug, pounding straight whiskey and smoking a pack of Luckies every 10 minutes. It is bad for you. So it's terrifying. And you need to acknowledge that it is terrifying and then you need to get help for it. And then you need to, in those hours, you can say, all right, I'm going to watch this. Hey, I'm gonna actually suggest for you something that is also very helpful for me. There is uh, a, a guided meditation called uh, Breaking Through Difficult Emotions by a man named Shinzen Young, S-H-I-N-Z-E-N, Young as in old and young. And uh, it's about, it's, it's a way, it's having somebody guide you through the observation of the emotion. And if I were in your position, wandering Liz, with the full-on insomnia I used to have, I would absolutely use this meditation every single time I woke up at night. Because you need to give your cortex something to do besides re-traumatizing your amygdala by telling it the scary stories over and over and over again. And that's what we typically do. And that's why 40% of Americans um, have an anxiety disorder up from 10% just two years ago. It is not, it's not looking good for us out there, you guys. 
But this is something that actually can take out the triggers from your amygdala. And then you start to experience a level of calm, a, a texture of calm, a quality of calm I've actually not had before. So I was incredibly excited to tell you about it today. I super hope it works for you. And there's wonderful research coming out on it all the time. And I think we can all look forward to a much less fearful life if we can get our, our minds around this. I'm so excited and so glad you're here with me to talk about it. I love you guys. Thank you so much for showing up. I will see you here again next week on The Gathering Room. You are the level best. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.